This is Claudine Mboligik-Pelani Nako. I play Sherry O'Neill on Everything Sucks, and you are listening to Pop. Oh, sweet! Ace of Base! What? Joining us right now on the Pop, the unofficial Everything Sucks podcast, we have a wonderful star of Everything Sucks. Please introduce yourself. Hi, this is Claudine Mboligik-Pelani-Nako. I play Sherry O'Neill on Everything Sucks. Wow. What a fantastic day. We've had a lot of requests, people wanting us to get you on this show. Oh, well, thank you, everybody. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited about talking to you today. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm excited, too. It was great to hear Patch's um, interview with you a while ago. It was lovely. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we are, we are definitely thrilled to have you here. And this show is uh, a multi-purpose kind of thing. One, we want to entertain fans of Everything Sucks, but we also want to try to get the show back on the air. Uh, right. Whether it be Netflix or somewhere <laughs> else. Mm-hmm. And you are joining us in that fight, and it, it is fantastic to see the love of the show from the cast and the people who work behind the scenes. There's a lot of love and passion for this project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to make sure I get the pronunciation of your name correct. Could you mm-hmm. say it for me? Yeah, it's Claudine Mboligikpelani Nako. And I actually have a game that I could teach you to pronounce it properly if you want. <laughs> so what's the game? Okay, so do you say when something is yummy? Mmm. Mmm. Mm, right, okay. What do you eat cereal out of? A bowl. A bowl, good. What is the fifth letter of the alphabet? I'm counting. <laughs> <laughs> e. E, good. So run those together. Mboli. Mboli. Good. Okay. What's another name for like a nerd or a dork? Ken Mills. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, dweeb. I, I I don't know. What are we looking no, at? No, no. Look at my name. Geek. 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 Yeah. Good. Good. What What do you take when you're sick? When you have a headache? A pill. A pill. But how would you say that if you were a valley girl? Oh, a pill. Pal. A pal. A pal. <laughs> Such a pal. <laughs> So, mboli geek pal. And then what's the opposite of off? On. On. Good. And then the fifth letter of the alphabet again. I, I, I wasn't told there'd be math. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> you already e. said it. <laughs> e. e. Good. Yeah. So, mboli geek pelani. And then wow. just run it all together. Mboli geek pelani. Claudine, mboli geek pelani. Neko. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I made it up in wow. like junior high school because i got tired of it <laughs> i think wow yes it has it works i i'm a i'm an educator as well so it's always a fun way to introduce myself to new students and say you want to learn how to say my name here we go <laughs> wow yes first off i want to know all about you 
tell us about your background, how you got into acting, and how you wound up in this show, Everything Sucks. Oh, well, okay. That's a long story. So <laughs> I, I kind of got into acting. I fell into it backwards. I, um, I did, uh, I was in drama club in junior high school and just sort of joined it because my friends were in it and it was an excuse to not go home for another hour after school. And, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was just fun. I, I was always sort of artsy. I played in orchestra and, in elementary school and junior high school and uh, I was in choirs and so I've always loved the performing arts. Yeah, so I joined drama club and then stayed with it in high school and didn't really have any intention of becoming an actor professionally, but I um, I really enjoyed the process of building a, a performance piece together. I did some readers theater in high school and I did... Um, I sort of I liked all of the facets of the performance world. So I worked on costumes on some shows and and we didn't have a huge drama program. I grew up in Laramie, Wyoming, so we had a, a pretty small program, but the people who were a part of it uh were really committed <laughs> to the work that we were doing. It was important to us, you know, mm-hmm. as as a uh, young people, you know, creating something together and by nature drama clubs tend to be a bunch of misfits <laughs> and I was certainly one of the crowd so yeah so I did a, a high school state drama competition in Wyoming when I was a senior and one of the adjudicators of the competition was a university professor at the University of Wyoming she was in the theater department and she spoke to me after my piece I, I ended up um winning some competition there and um and our piece did really well and I had directed it and was in it and uh and um she spoke to me afterward about auditioning for a scholarship at the University of Wyoming and I was like what <laughs> I can get a scholarship to you know to act like that had hadn't really crossed my mind because I was interested in um, studying biology and I wanted to also continue studying music, but I thought like I'll major in biology and I'll minor in music and I can continue learning music theory and sort of keep my toes in the waters of, of the arts. But um, I really loved science. And, um, and so, yeah, I auditioned for the scholarship and I got it and I am the third of four children, and so <laughs> so that was a good thing, you know, to have a little bit of help to um, to go to school, and, and my brother and sister were already in college at that point, and or I think maybe my sister had graduated, I, I can't remember, but um, anyway, uh, it was, it, it, um, it was a, a helpful thing to be able to... <laughs> to have a scholarship to go to school and like my thought was I'll take this scholarship for the first year and then I'll just go on academic scholarship after my freshman year but of course I had to take theater classes um as a theater as a declared theater major to to have the scholarship and I just really loved the classes I took introduction to acting and and I I mean I took everything our program was very well-rounded I learned costuming and scenic design and lighting design and uh, I think the only thing that I didn't study in school was sound design we just didn't have a sound design program but yeah I just kind of never looked back (laughs) so that's how I got into theater that's how I got into acting after graduating from college I studied at Actors Theater of Louisville's apprenticeship program for a year in Kentucky 
And then I got a little burnt out and came back home to Wyoming. And I taught after school theater classes and children's theater and co-directed a youth program with a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, I suppose. And then we became good friends. And and then I kind of got to the point where I was like, I love teaching, but I really miss performing. And I wanted to be somewhere where I could do both. And you can't really be a professional actor in Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> right. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's, <laughs> there's not huge demand there. So yeah, I decided to move out to the Pacific Northwest and, uh, and pursued uh, professional theater. And I did that for a couple of years. And then just a few years ago, decided that I wanted to transition into doing more on camera work. I got an agent pretty quickly after moving out to Seattle. So I, I did a lot of commercial work and in industrial films and which is like an industry term for like training videos and stuff. So I've, I'm on a bunch of Microsoft and yeah. Amazon videos and things like that. But um, yeah. I watched one of your Amazon videos earlier today. Was, oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. It was a trip. It's like, oh, what is yeah. Sherry O'Neill doing here? <laughs> She's trying on lipstick for Amazon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that was a commercial. So, so yeah, I got a lot of on-camera experience doing um, commercial and industrial work here. And then Amy Renee, who was the casting director of Everything Sucks, knew me from... She had me into her office a number of times over the years. She's cast me in a couple of small roles and some films that um that her office had cast and and she reached out to my representation at the time um last year to to see me for everything sucks and it was like I was so excited when I read this character and just the scenes that they sent out they didn't send out an entire script when I got the initial auditions and I mm-hmm. just I just loved the character I thought it was really interesting and the little byline that I got about what the show was going to be sounded so interesting to me and I honestly didn't know it was Netflix at the time I was just like this sounds like a cool project absolutely I'll send in a tape for this and and then I didn't hear back for a while (laughs) so I didn't think that I'd I'd even gotten a call back which was funny because I was like you know sometimes I'm hypercritical (laughs) of my work on camera and I, I remembered sending in that tape and just feeling like I feel like I kind of nailed that one I felt really good about that so I was surprised that I didn't get a call back and then out of the blue got this call back and then it just snowballed like I had to call back and another call back and then and then before I knew it I was screen testing with patch and then you know there we were so <laughs> so long story long that's how I got to to be Sherry O'Neill and everything sucks yeah Sherry is such a warm character. There's so much life in her. Mm. Frankly, it's amazing in, in this day and age to find a role where you don't have to be a witch or wear an iron suit or be a vampire. <laughs> uh, you get to be an actual person, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about this show, and I, I, I read an interview where you were discussing how we need more hopeful theater Mm-hmm. And by reading that interview, I thought, well, this is one of the things I love about Everything Sucks. It's a show full of hope. Mm-hmm. And whether it's it's that hope in each character, or the hope in these characters' lives, one of the things that I love about this show is not only your relationship with Patch, Ken Messner, Sherry and Ken, and the the relationship between Sherry and her son Luke 
Mm-hmm. And then there's that whole other question mark relationship, and that is with the ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And right. I, I, I want to talk about those three dynamics, if we could. What did you have to, you know, what process did you as an actress have to go through to find Sherry O'Neill and then maybe talk about those three different relationships? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, Sherry sure doesn't feel that far from me, mm-hmm. I would say. I, I'm not a parent, but I'm an educator and I work with a lot of young people. And as a teaching artist and educator, I have always cared about my students and I always even after many years, you know, students that I taught 10 years ago, like I, I feel a strong connection to them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to have any parents jump down my throat and say that I know what it is to parent because of that. But, but I do know what it is to really deeply, deeply care about a young person and, and, and care about the way that they're moving through the world and worry about them and, and hope for them and be disappointed in them and be frustrated with them and, and all of those emotions. I'm also an older sister. Um, and, um, so, so that can, and also Jahi's, he's just a wonderful kid, you know? So, so it wasn't hard for me to love him. (laughs) He made that job very easy. And I, I did and do care very deeply about the children in that show. So, Uh so the love was not hard to reach for in Sherry. Neither was the the frustration with him when he screws up and and um, the kind of friend connection that they have. Of I think that one of the really interesting things about the character, one of the things that drew me to Sherry was that she is a whole person. Yes. And in a lot of in a, in a lot of stories that are teen centered dramas or comedies, the parental figures tend to be these sort of one dimensional caricatures of like the strict mom or the cool mom or the hot mom or the you know the the absent mom whatever like they mm-hmm. they're not really fully realized human beings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she was she was on the page, and I hope she was in my portrayal of her. But I. I was, I loved the conversations that she had with her son and that you got a feel for the fact that this relationship was, uh, was deep and complicated and, and beautiful and difficult and all of, it had so many colors to it. And, um, um, yeah, so I guess I just approached that relationship and in, like put myself in her shoes and and just thought about what it, how it must, how hard it must be. You know, my mom is an incredible mom, but she worked really hard during our, both my parents um, worked very hard during our childhood, but my mom was a nurse who worked nights. And so she, I didn't get to spend as much time with her as, as I would have loved to, (laughs) because a lot of the time she was, she was leaving for work when I was coming home from school and like, we'd have dinner together and then she, she'd go to work and then I'd see her in the morning, like really briefly before like she, you know, sit down and try to have breakfast with us, but was exhausted after working 12, 13 hours and then got the little sleep that she could while we were away at school. And then we'd (laughs) come back home and like first thing, you know, go to the room and wake her up. And as a child, you don't think about that. You just want to see your mom, but, Right. But 
in my adulthood now that I have some perspective and can see uh, some small percentage of what my parents went through to, to raise four kids. And I have, I have empathy for that and for the, uh, so, so that helped me. I drew a lot of Sherry's strength from my mom's strength. Well, it shows because in, in those scenes where you're coming in tired and you basically just described like when Luke has breakfast made for you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You've, yeah. really, you've really brought that dynamic out. So it's there. You can see it on screen. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Because, you know, the thing that she probably, that her body wants to do is to go straight to bed mm-hmm. <laughs> after coming from that overnight flight. But she sees her son and it's no of course she's going to sit down at that table and eat the meal that he made her and and um spend every moment that she can with him cuz she's got to go away again soon and yeah um so that that's where i drew from for that relationship and um and then the relationships with Ken and Leroy though we don't see we don't physically see her relationship with Leroy other than the one flashback mm-hmm. um, moment. Though I love that moment. I I thought it was so smart of them to put that on screen I and agree. to just see like that, that really brief moment of how in love they were. I think it's really important um, because it, it humanizes all, all three of them in a really cool way. Cause if we just talk about Leroy, um, he's just a cipher, something that yeah, he's not there. Yeah. But this but forces I, you to think of him as a person. Yeah. And as a person who totally loved the family that he built, that they built together, uh-huh. you know, they were so happy in that moment. And, and I think it's, it's a growing up moment for Luke to see like, how did we go from that to him not even being here anymore? You know, right. like, cause I, like the first time she, he talks about his dad in the first episode, uh, with Peyton, with Kate in the garage, you know, he says he doesn't, he doesn't know, he doesn't care where he is anymore. But then right. you see him connect with his father. It's like, Oh, he was a young man. He loved my mom. He, he loved me. And like, it takes us a long time as human beings to get to the point where we realize that our parents are three dimensional human beings who feel as deeply as we do. <laughs> They're just our parents until mm-hmm. a certain point. And then you're like, Oh, wow. Like my parents have been hurt. My parents have been broken. My parents have loved my parents have lost my parents have gone through all of these intense emotions that I go through too and they're not just there to take care of me and like um so he has this growing up moment at the age of 13 that sometimes takes us until like we have our own kids to (laughs) to see those dimensions of of um of our folks so very true you know, I, I want to just take a moment to kind of shine a light on Jahi's performance as Luke. Mm, in yeah. that, when he's watching that tape and seeing mm-hmm. you, you can see every range of emotion where he's going from, this is strange, and then he's starting to get that realization. And it's all played on his face. It's all it's all that interacting, right? He's not, he's not mm-hmm. doing anything but looking at a screen and reacting. And he's seeing... And remembering all the good times and remembering all the bad times. 
all mm-hmm. at the same moment. And mm-hmm. for someone of his age to be able to pull that out was just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kid is so special. He's yeah, he's got a he's got a big heart and a gift for storytelling. All of them do. Our cast was amazing. Well, and you know, kudos to <laughs> the casting. Brag on us for a sec. Yes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, <laughs> brag on the kids. Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody from the top down, and and especially mm-hmm. the casting director. You don't mm-hmm. you don't assemble this kind of a cast that has this much talent. We interviewed the Christopher Morrison, who played Dylan oh, okay. Parker. Class 91. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Mr. Mm-hmm. M. You know that guy. Yes, of course I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he's a Seattle actor, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he spoke very highly of you and Ken. And just even his role. There's so much mm-hmm. meat on that bone, right? There's so mm-hmm. much There's so much depth in that what would be thought of as like a silly little thing. But, that, mm-hmm. but he's got chops. Mm-hmm. And you can see it. You can tell that there's a, a weight to everything that's going on. And the oh, interplay between the three of you is fantastic. Now, let's. I asked you about uh, Patch as Ken Messner and mm-hmm. you as Sherry O'Neill. Let's talk a little bit about their relationship because, as we've said before, you don't get this kind of thing from Disney or Nickelodeon where the parents actually breathe and are real mm-hmm. on this show. And to me, this is one of the things that is so amazing about this show is that uh, you know, we talk about representation in terms of be it you know LGBTQ plus or or what have mm-hmm. you. But there's I as a as 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 an adult who has stepchildren and been through all sides of this story. You know, whether I was a teenage kid and to being an adult as you and I are, mm-hmm. we now see this other side. And it was such an attractive thing to see parents being represented in this show. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about Ken Messner and Sherry O'Neill. Walk us through that process. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Well, first off, Patch is the easiest person in the world to work with. <laughs> he is so delightful and so just game to try things. And I believe he said this in his interview as well, but we both come from a theater background mm-hmm. and really love process and rehearsal and discovery that comes from rehearsal and in traditionally and well in a lot of the film world you don't get a lot of rehearsal time right uh you kind of just have to come in and know your stuff and and make it happen on the day and there's not a lot of time for reflection um which is it, it can be a really thrilling process as well but um but we were afforded the opportunity of having rehearsal at the beginning of each block of filming. So we filmed episodes one through four and then five through five through seven and uh, eight through 10 as three separate blocks. So it was kind of like filming three movies. And at the beginning of each block, we rehearsed all of those episodes and, um, and did a little, a little bit of blocking work in the room, movement work um, around the set and or makeshift set, and uh, got like some idea of what angles the director would be shooting from. But it was, it wasn't like a technical rehearsal in that way so much as it was just time to sit and 
and read the scenes and talk about what was going on for each of the characters and 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 changes were made during those processes as well which was cool that Mike and Ben were so open the co-creators were so open to our feedback about what felt right coming out of our characters mouths and a lot of the time they were they were mainly pretty small tweaks because the writing was so good but there were some times where we were like this doesn't feel quite right and and maybe maybe this is where the scene needs to go and so we were able to to help craft our performances uh, more deeply but um so working with patch was awesome i love him i miss him i'm so, <laughs> i i have said this a million times to my friends and loved ones who are <laughs> all equally upset about the the show not coming back but but really <sighs> I'm just, I'm so sad that I don't get to, to work with those people again, to be in uh, yet, 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 fingers crossed. <laughs> I've got everything crossed. I've got my fingers crossed, my toes, my eyes, hair, everything. I'm, I'm a mess. I, this show has to come back. Right. And it, it, it's special and it has this intimacy to it. It has such a quiet, but strong heartbeat. And I love that about the show. Cause I mean, I watch Netflix. We all watch Netflix. I don't, I, I can't think of any other shows on Netflix that are quite like Everything Sucks, you know, or any shows that I've seen lately, really, that are quite like that show that have, it kind of has like this indie, small feel to it, but so relatable. And the, we don't have monsters. We're not, <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. it's not Stranger Things. Like there are no like outside terrors threatening our lives in the show, but but it's the inside terrors that everybody carries that makes yeah. it so relatable to to everyone i think like i relate to i of course i relate to sherry but i also very much relate to luke and to kate and and to ken and like we've all mm -hmm. experienced loneliness we've all mm -hmm. experienced heartbreak in some way maybe if you're young it hasn't been falling in love and losing that love but heartbreak of just like learning something new about a, like a, a friend at school that was your best friend yesterday being mean to you the next day. Like that's, right. that's a kind of, you know, heartbreaking. And, um, yeah, uh, I got off track. <laughs> no, no. It's I, I just love letter to my cast, but, um, there, there but is there, no there, off there, track. <laughs> there, seriously. There is no off track. Yeah. This is all part of the conversation and you're doing fantastic. But you were asking about the relationship with Ken in the mm -hmm. show, right? Is yeah. that the question? Mm -hmm. I love Ken's character so much. He's so he's so sweet and and seems to be this cheery-ish person. But one of my favorite lines in the series is when Kate says, "You seem happy," and then he's like. Or you seem happy for real. I can't remember exactly yeah. what the line is, but it's something to that effect. Exactly. No, this, you, yeah, you right. seem happy for real. And you just watch the change in his face. And I think that a lot of us can relate to, I know that I can certainly relate to the experience of making it okay for everybody else. Because like like being a, a, a cheerleader for everyone else in your life and and always wearing a facade of like, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Everything's good. And uh -huh. really inside being so torn and so, and feeling so alone and feeling like that's just going to be like, that's, that's going to be your story for the rest of your life because, 
well, because of whatever circumstances you're in. But I, I right. absolutely been in that place of just everybody thinking because of, oh, because you got this job, because you got cast in this show, because whatever, that like your life must be perfect and everything must be great for you. And, and like inside you're just a hot mess and a half uh-huh. and ha- feeling like you can't show that to anybody. But when you do have like when you do have that first glimmer of hope and like somebody or something happens in your life that feels like, Oh, this is, this might, this, this might be (laughs) something that could start to turn it around, but Uh it's scary because if you don't want to hang on too much hope to it, because what if it doesn't work out, you know, but like that glimmer of hope that starts to build. And when somebody who knows you well sees it and asks about it, it's, it's such a vulnerable and difficult thing to say, yeah, yeah, this, this might happen. And I want it to happen because if it doesn't happen, then you're broken all over again. And now somebody else knows that you're broken, you know, mm-hmm. but I, God, I love that character. I think that I, and I, I love that because, because Ken and Cherry are both doing that. And exactly. there were, there was some, there was actually some dialogue uh, cut from the scene where they're smoking pot at the car, mm-hmm. um, where you found out a little bit more about how Sherry and how Sherry ended up in Boring, and um, a little bit about the backstory with Leroy that they had they had trimmed in the hopes of developing that story into in season two. So I was like, oh, I'm sad that the audience doesn't know that, but but I think it's I think it's still there. I think it's still present. Um, you still understand that there is a well of of emotion and backstory that um that's really hard to go through and that's probably why she doesn't talk about it much she doesn't talk about it with with uh, anybody mm-hmm. so i think i i love that these two characters find each other because they don't they're not a they're an odd couple they're not a likely pair they're right ken is probably 10 years older than her and and uh if it wasn't, if they didn't live in this small town, they probably would have never found each other in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they're an interracial couple and they, um, they, they have, they're just not like the couple that you'd put together on paper, but they work together because they get each other. And I just, uh, yeah, I loved, I loved that, that curious dance of them finding each other. I love I love how you phrase that the curious dance. One of the things I enjoy about it is both of the characters are now at a point where they're seeing their children become adults a little mm-hmm. bit more each day. And sure. they know that they're going to be letting them go. So both of you as characters have to be thinking Kate and Luke are going to be gone soon. Mhm. And you're starting to reach out to one another. Had you not bumped into one another, who knows if they would have reached out as much. But there's just something, there's a there's a beautiful fragility in this dance that you talk about. Mm-hmm. It, it, it shows how much a parent sets back of their own self in order mm-hmm. to make a life for their children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something you brought to the screen with, uh, it, it just a, Excellent work, and same to Patch, just Thank excellent you so all much. the way around. Now, I want to ask you two things here. What was your favorite, most fun scene to film, 
And what was the most <laughs> challenging scene? Oh, um, okay. My favorite scene. Uh, I mean, the toilet paper scene was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was, that was a good time. It was, it was the kind of fun though, that ends in delirium. Uh (laughs) We shot that scene until I think, I I think I got home around 3am that night, that morning, I guess the next morning, um, that, and that day we shot, uh, we shot the date at the restaurant and we also shot that, uh, wait, gosh, um, trying to remember yeah i think we shot the date at the italian restaurant and that was the first scene the two of you did together correct oh my gosh the date this might be a blur no i think actually the first day that we shot together was when we bought the toilet paper the Ah. the scene with chris morrison yeah i think i could be wrong about that i can't remember (laughs) it all blends together now yeah that day was a lot of fun it was it was really fun and we (laughs) <laughs> I I will say that I, I will admit to your listeners <laughs> that I may or may not have engaged in some field work research um, to <laughs> to perfect my toilet papering uh, ability. I had a little adventure. I'll I'll tell you what, Claudine. Mm-hmm. If this were a show like Jimmy Fallon, I would have you get out in front of the audience and throw toilet paper into the audience. <laughs> Oh, I would do it. I've got a strong arm. I, I can I, tell. Uh... You knew you knew exactly what you were doing. And you were I so did. naughty. You were so naughty. <laughs> when she, you're leaning over at him in the restaurant, tell mm. me, do you have any enemies? You know, it's like you went from like this sweet princess to like a Disney villain, like snap, you know. <laughs> do you have any enemies? Oh. Go ahead. Say that oh, line was... for me. Please. No, it just <laughs> got any enemies. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Damn girl, that's right on it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. Oh gosh, oh how funny! Mike Mohan just texted me, our director. Tell him I said hi. Um, <laughs> um, but oh, I was just gonna say that 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 moment that they caught of me teaching Ken how to throw. Mm-hmm. That was a real that was a real moment cuz he had never toilet papered before. So he really I, so he wasn't yeah. he was he's actually method acting <laughs> yeah, right Patch, there. Yeah, that was new to it. So and and the toilet paper we had, we had two different kinds. We had one that was that did not work very well. It was like single ply and it kept tearing and I was like this isn't going to cut, guys. <laughs> so we, two so ply we always. Like, what are we animals? Ex- exactly. <laughs> so we had to like we used that paper to kind of dress the set. To um, do a lot of the dressing, but then we had to upgrade to the multiply toilet paper for the good throws. I love that that moment made it into <laughs> into the series because it was just it was just so funny having to sort of like teach proper toilet papering technique. Yeah, because <laughs> you want the long trail, you know. You have yeah, to you got to get about a six like... or eight foot trail going. Yes, yeah, so, so, so then you fire. have done some vandalizing. I. I grew up yeah, in Ohio, okay. and there was nothing to do. <laughs> Something right. about being out in the country, you know what I mean? You, mm. It's not a really big city. You're not a big town. You got to make the fun, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, yeah. Which scene was the most challenging then? 
Um, if that was the most fun scene, what was the most challenging? I have got two, but they were challenging for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So the scene in the office, um, when I come in and meet him for the first time in the series, mm-hmm. we actually shot that a little bit later on in the first block. It was one of the last scenes that we, uh, maybe it was my last scene that we shot in the last, in the first block mm-hmm. when I break down in tears there in the office that was a difficult scene because just from a technical perspective i'm not i'm not that actor that can just pull pull water out of my face at the drop Uh of a hat (laughs) there are some people who can just like cry on cue and it's like super easy for them to do and and i know those actors and i'm like i don't know how you do that but good for you but (laughs) but so so we shot i mean we had to shoot, shoot that scene from a bunch of different angles and did it like you know 30 plus times and then Mike had said, I'll let you know when, when we're doing your coverage and we get to your close-up and, and we're going to need that. And I was like, of course, I'll be ready when we get there. And then when that moment came, um, I I was pulling from some some recent real-life stuff that had gone on that I won't go into, but that was difficult to just feel that raw, be that raw in that space. And... I felt totally supported and, but it's a lot of pressure to have, <laughs> to have a crew of, I don't know, 50, 70 people out there in the hall, like waiting for you to cry <laughs> and, and Pat, you know, sitting there across from me on the couch, like just the warmest scene partner that you could hope for. And then like a camera across the desk, staring straight into my face. And I, and, um, but yeah, that that was difficult because of where I had to go emotionally to to meet Sherry in that mm-hmm. place and and then to share that with with the audience both in the room and the audience that gets to see it now <laughs> mm-hmm. and pause and rewind and and um, yeah, that's a that's a hard thing to do. I think I think that when we're watching films, emotional moments like that on film. We don't always realize that an, as an audience, if this isn't what you do for a living, you don't really think about the fact that that scene gets shot so many different times. It's not right. like they just have the one take where they get the tears out. Like mm-hmm. you have to do that over and over again and put yourself through that emotionally and physically over and over and over and over and over again until they get what they need. And so from that standpoint, it was, it was difficult. And, um, and then um, in terms of technical difficulty, the the swimming pool scene where we dive, it, it's in the trailer, actually, the one where we jump into the pool and touch yes. the bottom yes. and come back up. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, a, I don't like deep water. I can swim, but I, I kind of have a fear of deep water. Mm-hmm. And um, so that took some doing because I didn't, didn't know that that, was going to be that was a shot that the director who was a we had two different directors and she thought of this shot um on the day and asked for it and I was like oh oh okay (laughs) so that's I'm gonna need a minute to get there but um but yeah I sort of had to conquer a a fear on the spot (laughs) to, to make that shot happen well, I'm glad you did. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's it's a beautiful shot, and I it is. I'm really happy with how it turned out. But that that was a, a pretty hard moment. But again, was like totally supported by 
my lovely scene partner who was like, we're going to just breathe through it and we'll take as much time as you need. And there was a scuba instructor there and he like did some breathing exercises with me because I just like panic a bit when I when I can't see the bottom. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't mind not touching it. I can swim, you know, but um, but being submerged for uh, a stretch of time just makes me really nervous. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that was, that was a difficult moment, but then coming through that was also a really awesome kind of triumphant thing. Cause I was like, I did that thing. <laughs> yeah. And I have photographic evidence. Yeah. It, so. it is, it is digitally <laughs> saved forever. To fear. Yeah. 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 That is fantastic. Now, one of the things I love (laughs) is that the cast really has taken to one another. Seriously. And I recently saw that you were out in California with Peyton. Yeah. Yeah. I literally just got home yesterday. I've not been home for two months, basically. I spent a month and a half in California and then... And then I was down in Portland for a week. I took my family went on a family vacation to the the coast and it was lovely. But yeah, I got to see Peyton and her whole family. We met up for dinner and I love that girl. I love her so much. It was just, I, I wish that we could, <laughs> I just want a reunion with all my people. Like, yes, I want to keep telling this story, but I'm also like, I miss y'all. <laughs> uh-huh. We just, and I didn't get to have as much time with the kids as Patch did because right. his character straddles both of those worlds. You know, uh-huh. he's, in the adult world and then he is the majority of his world is interacting with these kids at the school where he you know shepherds them through from childhood to adulthood and and um so i didn't have scenes with the kids really until the uh episode 10 there where i finally meet kate and um and the you know at the movie when we're all at the movie, like we were all hanging out in the green room together. And I was like, I miss you guys. Like I I actually went to set a couple of times and just watched the kids work because I, I loved watching them. Um, The, the scene where they, (laughs) the, it's a beautiful life scene on the bus. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I went to the set that day and just hung out and watched them all, you know, crack each other up on screen. And, and then, um, Another day when they shot the fire alarm scene, when Jahi and uh, Jahi runs across the field there, and and Sydney, er, sorry, um, Luke runs across the field, and uh, Emmeline and I, I'm sorry, I want to call them by their actor names, by their actual names. Um, um, Emmeline and Oliver are sitting there, and she goes, "Run, Forest, run!" I was there that day watching them film, and sometimes you know I come in to do a, a costume fitting or something and then just stick around and watch for another hour or two because yeah we just like each other i mean you can't really make that up <laughs> very true you can't force that kind of a thing yeah i saw at the premiere party you were dancing with uh, quinn liebling ah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. quinn got any good moves is he a good dancer yeah quinn is a great dancer so i first <laughs> met quinn yeah, I met him in 2016. We were both nominated and won the Gregory Awards for performance. That's like Seattle's Tony Awards, basically, oh, wow. for the theater community. Yeah. I saw him in a production of Billy Elliot. He played Michael. 
and he he and this other young man were cast in the show as as Michael and they were fantastic. They Michael has this big tap number and it's just this really funny character and I got to see him do the role twice. I was teaching at that theater that summer and my friend was the choreographer and it it was a beautiful production. And so I got to see it a couple of times and I saw him play the role both times. And so I had seen him on stage and then I met him at the Gregory Awards after we both won. I was just like, I saw your performance and you were amazing. And he was in the show that I won for it. I had also done at that theater company. And so we were kind of like fangirling, fanboying over each other's work. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's, he's got moves. That kid's got moves. He's talented. Well, not only that, but he can make his voice crack like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a triple dry. He can sing. He can, yeah. He's, yeah. Speaking he's of singing, I understand mm-hmm. you're uh, quite a songstress yourself. I am. Yes. Yeah. I came up through the musical theater world as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you ever hear Groucho yeah. Marx's old line about a triple threat? No. She can sing, play the piano, and in an emergency, move it. So <laughs> that's a good line. <laughs> I personally would love to hear some of your music. So oh, a- anything goodness. you want to throw our way, I'll play. Oh, okay. Okay. Think about I'll, that. Uh, okay. I will. I'll do that. Now, when you saw the show, like mm-hmm. everyone else did, the mm-hmm. first time you sat down with your remote and turned mm-hmm. it on, were you surprised at what you saw? Was was it bigger than you thought it would be? What what were your impressions? Walk me through that. Because a lot of people don't Oof. understand that when you when you film, you're only seeing this part. It's kind of like the old milk box thing. Like one side's got the nutritional stuff, the other side's got Bossy <laughs> the cow, the other side's got a picture of a missing kid. But it's all the same milk <laughs> curtain, right? Mm-hmm. So what was it like seeing the rest of Everything Sucks? Oh, um, it was, it was thrilling. It was nerve wracking. It was exciting and scary. And this is the biggest role that I've ever had. So on screen. So what was really cool, I'll say this, it was very cool for me. I got to sort of have a, I could take a deep breath in the first episode and just enjoy it as a fan. Cause I know I'm not in that episode. Uh-huh. So I loved that, <laughs> that I, you know, I didn't have that like prickling nerve tension of like, oh crap, here comes my scene, here comes my scene uh-huh. <laughs> while watching the first episode. So I just, and I, the the feeling that overwhelmed me was pride because I watched that those first moments of Luke riding through the town on his bicycle and getting to the school and and the imagery and the music and it just, I was like, Oh, this is the show. Like it's, it was better than what I imagined, you know? Um, I, and I loved everything about it. I loved the way that the film is colored. It has like a, it's got a treatment to it that feels like the nineties. I don't know how else to explain it, but you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like contemporary. Yeah. Um, Well, anymore almost all movies are filmed almost in such muted tones Mm. like like you watch that superman movie and it's like is there a blue and red here at all you know you can't see anything (laughs) so it's Mm. nice to have some nice vibrant colors on the screen so Mm. i'm all down for that yeah 
And, yeah. And, the, and, and then you see these things like where Kate's crossing the bridge, and I don't want to ruin it mm-hmm. for anyone who hasn't seen it, but that mm-hmm. bridge is like its own character, right? The town's mm-hmm. its own character. The music's its own character, right? Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff comes to play. Did you mm-hmm. have any particular favorite songs that were played during the show? <laughs> well, I had, I don't know if I can say this. I had a favorite song that was in the script, but didn't make it into the final cut. Oh my God, what is Just it? Just <laughs> because of the moment that it was used. Uh, the song that that Ken was singing in the scene where Luke walks in on us. Mm-hmm. He was actually singing Waterfalls by TLC. I thought so. Yeah, but we didn't get the rights to it. So, um, or I don't know. I'm assuming that's why they went with a different song, which I I like that song that they chose too. But I loved TLC growing up. Like, I loved that album. And Waterfalls was like one of my favorite songs. And so (laughs) that day was just so funny because he was like really getting into it. And um, plus he was getting uh, his groove on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah in his underwear yes go patch <laughs> go ken messner yeah. and god bless him yes um, so that's a great song from that time so let's let's play that yeah. right now waterfalls okay. by tlc
come and one leave in a trace of not one god given reason because my life is in shades of gray I pray all ten fade away self and praise them for the seven days and like his promise is true only my faith can undo the many chances I blew to bring my life to an end clear blue and unconditional skies have dried the tears from my eyes no my lonely cries my only lead and hope is for the folk who can't cope with such an enduring pain that it keeps them in the boring rain who's to blame for two and gain into your own vein what a shame you shoot and aim for someone else's brain you claim the insane and name the stay in time for falling brain a grandma say the system got you victim to your own mind dreams are hopeless aspirations and hopes are coming true believe in yourself the rest is up to me yeah oh, I did think of my other favorite one. Ace of Bass. I loved Ace of Bass. That's all. Oh, that song. <laughs> it's a beautiful life. I love the way that that song is used in the show because, I mean, I loved that song as well, but how it turns <laughs> at the mm-hmm. end of that episode. Yeah. Everybody starts in one place and then, you know, um, Stargrove is all grumpy about it. And then, like, that switch at the <laughs> end of the episode when all the kids are. <laughs> When it's just ironic that it's playing, and, yeah. and then he's the one that's like, "Yeah, it is a beautiful life." Like, I love that. I well, love he that. he found love or something like it out in the <laughs> desert. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that is funny. <laughs> this this might sound like a silly question after everything you said, but you've mm-hmm. got uh, Ben York Jones and mm-hmm. Michael Mon, uh, the creators of Everything Sucks. Would you work with them again? I like I said, it sounds like a silly question, knowing what you're gonna say. Oh, absolutely. In a heartbeat. Yeah, they no question about it. Yes. Yes, they were fantastic collaborators. Um and I do mean collaborators. They really cared about our voices in the process and had such respect for the artists that they uh had assembled to build this piece together. So, yes. Yes, definitely. Wow. There's got to be this show can't be over, right? I sure hope not. There's so much on the vine still. There's so much yeah. to mm-hmm. come in. They actually were world builders. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that, that last scene, you know, you could almost forgive all of this if it just ended you guys all having your little party at the end. But then mm-hmm. that last scene, mm-hmm. it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. what can you tell us that we don't know as people mm-hmm. who have seen season one? What can you tell us about what else might have happened? Well, I can tell you the show is called Everything Sucks. Not okay. everything ties up in a nice pretty bow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there had to be something, you know, it couldn't it couldn't end on a perfect little note there. Yeah, I can tell you that Mike and Ben had dreamed up a very exciting next chapter. And um, I can't tell you what that was because, you know, the hope remains that someday we'll get to tell, get to complete the story. But um, but yeah, the 
it's frustrating, isn't it? Because on one level, you want to say everything, but you can't. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was there was and is a lot to be mined from these characters. And I mean, the story plays out like life, you know, life doesn't there are no perfect, happy little. Well, I mean, there are happy there are happy endings, but there are no uh, there's always a complication. There's always a next day. There's always the next thing that comes along that, you know, everything's going along just great. And then you. Yeah. get a hole in your tire you know or or it starts to rain on your vacation or on your wedding day yeah like rain <laughs> on your wedding day isn't that ironic but i'll tell you one thing i've learned and i want to pass this on to anybody who's listening especially we have a lot of younger people that are listening to the show as well i mm. found out in life this this one thing that there mm. are no real happy endings but you do your best to make the happy in-betweens mm. hmm. you feel me i do and that's really sometimes the most you can hope for out of it. So I hear that. Well, a lot of our banana slugs out there, our, our sluggers, our banana slugs, people who love everything sucks, you were one of the most requested people right oh. up there with Jahi and Peyton and the creators of this show. I'm so glad that you took the time today to spend with us and let us meet a little bit not only about Sherry O'Neill, but about Claudine the lady with the name I cannot pronounce. You can say it. Nako. Oh. Claudine Mboligik Pelani. Nako. Claudine Mboligik Pelani. Nako. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just amazing. But uh, you, you are you're definitely a presence. And I, I saw you on the TV show Grimm. And, you know, mm. I'm going to be checking you out and following you and see what you're doing with your career. And I look forward to what is yet to come. And I'm looking forward to season two or a movie <laughs> of Everything Sucks. The story is not over as far as I'm concerned. Oh. I know it's not for the fans. I don't think it is for the creators. And I just want to thank you for being part of it because I feel it's an important show full of hope, full of love and opportunities. Thank you. You've done something good. Thank you. Thank you very much. There's a lot of people that really care about this show. and uh, Well, tell them to keep watching. And, you know, and the people at Netflix, they they have eyes everywhere. And they, they see those hashtags. And, I, I mean, every time I see an ad for a new Netflix show, I'll scroll down through the, through the comments. And inevitably, some banana slug out there <laughs> is... That's nice, but what about... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love that. I love how passionate the fans are. And, and you know, that kind of passion doesn't come from a place of, like... That, that comes from such a sincere place. You don't fight that hard for something unless it really means the world to you. And, yeah. So I just... I, I really... I truly... I'm so thankful to everybody who watched and who shared about the show. And cause it was, it was like this little engine that, that could, and it did. And it, and then it almost did a little bit longer and then it got stalled. And so who knows, maybe it can start up again. <laughs> but, it just breaks um, my heart. But yeah, but it, it grew because of people like you, because of fans out there around the world just yeah. talking about this the show <laughs> for, or, i mean a friend of mine told me that her sister was watching the show in her room one day and she just 
her she hears her sister like cracking up and just and she comes out of her room after a couple of hours and she's just like oh my god I just saw this show on Netflix it's so good I love it so and she was just like talking to her sister who didn't know that she knew me uh-huh. <laughs> and um and I've heard that from a number of friends who were just like some random person told me that I absolutely have to watch this show because it's so good and then like this character made them think of this moment and they just related to all this stuff and and they didn't they have no idea that I know you <laughs> just like I love that I love I love how it resonated with people around the world too we have a really large fan base in Brazil and mm-hmm. in oh Portugal like we have a couple of like random and very like intense loyal fans all around the, not random sorry but just just we have such a diverse fan base around the world and mm-hmm. people of all ages because of how human the story is, you know, and Absolutely. how real the characters are. You don't have to be in high school to get this or you don't have to have grown up in the 90s. My parents loved the show mm-hmm. My, <laughs> and, and I, I actually wasn't sure that they would, but they. They absolutely loved the show and have watched it multiple times. And like, I have some some good friends in their 60s and 70s who really love the show too. And it's just like, it's because it's about people, you know? It's not about a particular, it's set in a particular time and place, but it's not about that time and place. It's about the people living in that time and place. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we wrap this up? Yes, I want to thank all of you for watching, for listening, for caring, for um, your kind words, for your support. Uh, It is so moving to me to know that this story wasn't just entertaining for people, but that it really touched on a human level and that so many people saw themselves in this story, in the characters of all ages and... um, and I think that when somebody feels seen and heard because of a story that I got to tell, that is mm-hmm. the greatest gift to me as an artist. Yes. And I just want all of you out there to know that we do read your words and and we care. <laughs> and you are seen and you are important. You are your your story is important and um and I love you all. So thank you so much. Thanks for letting me into your life. Thank you so much, Claudia. And seriously, just uh, from from the bottom of our hearts here, we 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 appreciate you, and uh, just want you to know that. And of course, I being a fellow guy with the initials KM, I have to you know support Ken Messner. So, you know. <laughs> yes. Plus, do me a favor yeah. if you would, when you see Sherry O'Neill in the mirror sometime, tell mm-hmm. her I said hi because I have a serious little crush on her. So. <laughs> Okay. Just putting that out there. I'll see if I can dig up the wig. I don't see her on the wig. But yeah, next time I come across her, I'll let her know. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you once right. again, and God bless. And we hopefully oh, will see you. you on the big screen or anywhere you are doing something. We want to support your career, and we're part of your booster section. So. Not at all. This has been a pleasure. If you talk to anybody else in the cast and they want to come on, we're, we're still trying to get this show on the air. And I think that I, I, I've, I know we've turned a lot of people on to it that frankly surprised me that they've checked the show out because of what we've been doing. So 
Hmm. Glad to be part of this. So thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much again. All right. Well, God bless you. And uh, just let us know what's going on. We've always got a mic open for you. Thank Thank you you very much, much. Ken. It was lovely talking with you. All right. Thank you. We will see you. All right. You take care. Bye. And that's our show. Our podcast is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made for fans of the Netflix original series, Everything Sucks, by fans of the Netflix original series, Everything Sucks. Any samples of music or TV heard here remain the property of their owners. Our show is not affiliated with Netflix or Everything Sucks, and opinions heard here belong to the people who express them and may not reflect the views of our staff. If you like something you heard, buy it or subscribe to it today. If you enjoy the show, like us on Facebook or Twitter and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm your announcer, Christine Wolf, saying remember, hashtag renew everything sucks. Hashtag save banana slug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>